You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, it's Bilal Vakani at BilalV87 on Twitter. And I don't know if it's the holiday spirit or if I've simply gone insane, but AW Dynamite just finished the year pretty strongly. Let's get into it. So right away, we get right into the Lucha Bros taking on Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. The backstory, which the commentators had to relay, was that the Lucha Bros, they were near their home country of Mexico, with this being in Texas. And obviously they were very over, which we're not used to hearing. And Paige and Kenny didn't work well together. And I didn't really buy this narrative based on the last match I watched with these guys. I'm not sure why. Uh, they seemed to have a 30-minute time limit. But it paid off in that the final pinfall came from a miscommunication off Hangman and Omega. And then they started to push a bit after the match. And we cut away to Pack on the Tron. He asked us to follow him, and we went into a room, and a man who I couldn't make out, and I don't think anybody could identify from 10 feet away with his back sitting on a chair, to the point where he didn't notice Pac opening the door. The commentators way too quickly said this was Michael Nakasawa, who is, of course, Kenny Omega's best friend, and from there, Pac, I guess, closed the door, and the implication was he attacked them. Kenny Omega ran out to go help him, and looked like Hangman Page helped him, I don't know, this continued on the Pitcher and Pitcher, and I just skipped because uh, I've lost all faith in Pitcher and Pitcher. But this worked, paid off the narrative well, and there was a later call to this at the end of the night, so I was quite happy with it. The Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny took on Darby Allen and Cody. This does feel a lot like MJF all over again because Darby Allen wants a match with Cody as a result of helping him here. Now... I give him credit, there was a picture in picture here, and there was a replay coming back to break. So after 12 weeks, 11 weeks, whatever it's been, somebody's figured that out. And Darby and Cody won, which was okay, and then I kind of came away from it, and I was like, well, now we're going to get Darby and Cody again because of the draw, and where does this, where does this leave the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny? And I, You know, when you start to stomach it that way... You know, is Darby going to rise up and have another title match? Is Cody? Uh, I don't know. I would have rather seen the, the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny go over, to be honest. We got a Jungle Boy training montage. Uh, this didn't really do much for me. It was put together relatively well. I don't know if this, if, if I was going to pick something for a montage. I probably would have picked the Hangman Page, Kenny Omega friction because that factored into the main event. I don't know if this made a lot of sense. Awesome Kong then came out for a match with Brandy Rose and their bald friend, whose name they threw in at some point, but I, I don't know. They haven't done a good job setting up that person. There was a video as she entered where Brandy spoke uh, about Statlander's match later and that she could come home to the Nightmare Collective, and she also rubbed the head of the other bald member who I don't really know who he is. Maybe it'll turn out to be Billy Corgan or something great. But right now, I'm just expecting another random, like, the female member who they shaved bald. Although they initially didn't shave her that bald, so I don't know where they gave her another haircut. But anyways, whoever Awesome Kong faced, because this wasn't set up well for me, and I didn't really care, because it was so obviously a squash, and there wasn't much of an attempt to make this interesting, they cut a piece of her hair off as well. I don't know. This, this all, aside from the fact it would later roll into Strat, Statlander, meant nothing, and Brandy just showed up then anyway, so I, I don't think we needed this match at all. 
And it's probably the low point of the night for me. But this was a strong show otherwise, so I can forgive it. Jungle Boy then had a sit-down interview with JR. Pretty standard stuff, but I give JR credit. He asked the right questions. Jungle Boy answered them very well. Uh, I, I developed quite a bit of attachment to him just on this one uh, promo, which I don't have for most of the AEW roster. So this was well done. The 10-minute challenge then followed as Jungle Boy took on Chris Jericho. Jungle Boy actually lasted the full 10 minutes being uh, put in the walls of Jericho for seemingly the last minute of it or 30 seconds. Uh, Jericho then demanded five more minutes be added. Uh, This was not official, it turns out later, but Jungle Boy did come close to pinning Jericho in these five minutes, and Jericho at that point just left, which was uh, pretty, pretty well done. Uh, There's also a great spot with Swagger and Luchasaurus, along with uh, Marco Stunt, and all of them basically being ejected. Unbelievably good. Like, I actually am shocked how much I enjoy this. Tony Schiavone then uh, would interview Jericho. Jericho had a funny line where he said something to the extent of, Oh, I, he didn't beat me. That's what I said. And Tony replied, No, you said you would, wouldn't let him last 10 minutes, and he did. This was great. Uh, Jericho instantly shifted gears, which is probably the best thing he can do, uh, to talk about John Moxley joining the Inner Circle, which I had totally forgot about, and the lack of Moxley in the show was a problem for me. And he said they had a gift for him if he joined on January 1st, and they sort of name-checked his wife without saying her name which I sort of like, and this was all pretty good. SAU was backstage, but they were interrupted by the Lucha Bros. I don't really care. The number one contender for the women's championship was decided as Dr. Britt Baker took on Chris Stadlander, as I mentioned earlier. There was some really fun touches by Stratlander where she was examining the referee and she was trying to get across this alien gimmick. I'm, I'm sort of of two minds on this. Some of these flourishes are brilliant. Some of them after the match, which I'll talk about, I don't like. But overall, I think she's in the right ballpark with this. Uh, As the match went on, Stratlander eventually got the win. Baker looked fairly strong here. But my God, am I happy they found Chris Stratlander. You go from Britt Baker, who I feel bad for Adam Cole for having uh, dating this woman. She, She just doesn't have the personality... Her finisher is pretty good, actually. I have to give her that. She's a great wrestler. She's a dentist, which means she's smarter than most of us. But she's just not a big enough personality. And I don't think it's ever going to happen for her. Stratlander, on the other hand, comes across as crazy in the best way possible. And I don't mean that in the AJ Lee way. Like, she thinks she is from outer space, if you don't know the gimmick. And it is marvelous. Like, it is brilliant it is like if et was a wrestler and if you've seen stone cold et you know that's great after the match tony shivani was going to interview her statlander started to do the et thing this is where it got a bit much but it was pretty hilarious still brandy interrupted uh and this was the time where she needed to find out if statlander was going to join the nightmare collective and uh, when she didn't brandy uh had kong come out to distract her And then, I guess, hit her in the eye with the heel of her shoe, which was just disgusting and stupid and unnecessary because Awesome Kong could just crush her. So, I wasn't crazy about this. I don't know why Brandy thought it was such a slam dunk that she would join the Nightmare Collective and how she could turn so quickly if that's what she thought. Just really didn't, you know, do it for me at all. I I don't know. They got to find a way to fix this. 
We also had a promo backstage with uh, Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard sort of talking about finding Sean Spears the, the ideal tag team partner. This wasn't revolutionary. This was pretty interesting and sort of, uh, you know, a nice homage to what they're trying to do with the tag team division and how important the right fit is. And I think, you know, more the message than the execution here, but I, I like this. I think this is a step in the right direction. And this took us right into the main event. Uh, well, we got the AW Dark promo, which I already saw, which, you know, the Young Bucks sort of speak to their relationship with SCU, which is kind of cute. I don't know if it really was that great a promo. I'm still waiting for them to do more with these. And once we finally got into the match, we only had 15 minutes. And this was about what you would expect from the match. Great in-ring stuff. Uh, nothing really to ride home about, but it, it was fine as a main event. I liked it. And you know what? I give AW credit. I really liked what they did next, actually. This, this worked very well. The Dark Order comes out. And they said normally they'd be here for the Young Bucks, but they had an initiation to do. And essentially they needed to clear the ring, but they weren't going to do it peacefully. I'm paraphrasing quite a bit here. Alex Reynolds and John Silvers were sort of revealed during this fight as the initiation members. Christopher Daniels uh, tried to save his fellow SCU members and the Young Bucks as they fought off these seemingly, I don't know if it was a dozen or so or nine members of the Dark Order. These uh, minions, whatever they're called. Creepers. Uh, which is not a great term in wrestling. I don't know. I don't, it doesn't work for me. And then Kenny Omega came down. Very interestingly, Hangman Page did not come down with him and didn't come later. Cody and Dusty came down, although not Darby Allen. The commentators seemed to only care about Adam Hangman Page. Apparently, he's the only person they could ever imagine being part of this. Uh, Alex and John eventually uh, took their masks, and then they reach into the mouth of one of the bucks I, I i thought that was a bit too far i thought this was perfectly fine until that point and it was an interesting way to end a w dynamite i don't know why they had to do that but that's it that was a w dynamite and i enjoyed it um certainly some low points but i will say the production's much better i've had to give up on the picture and picture i just i can't be bothered i started this late and to just be able to fly through it with a 50-minute delay was pretty great. And I think that's the way to watch AEW because they, they've had enough time. They're not going to figure this picture-in-picture picture stuff out. Um, they, they don't know. They're not going to risk putting anything good in there, so don't bother. But I think this is really good. i got to preface this by saying I don't get NXT until tomorrow in Canada. I honestly think the NXT show, which of course will feature Adam Cole defending this title... Uh, against Finn Balor. It's going to feature Shayna Baszler versus Rhea Ripley. I do think it'll be a stronger show. This is very good. And I'm the kind of guy who would tell you, watch both if you're a wrestling fan. Uh, and if you're listening to this, you probably are. So, that's AW Dynamite. Uh, we're coming up on the holidays. I haven't really figured out what I'm doing with the pod in between. Will I do episodes? Will I not? You'll have to follow me at BalalB87 on Twitter for the latest. But regardless, happy holidays and a great new year. And uh, there should be some great wrestling right around the corner to go with it. Peace out. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit neversleepsnetwork.com.